describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. up too it's actually pretty oh it's uh i'll go back well good morning good afternoon good evening welcome to grog talk i'm james and i'm dan and where are we from today dan baba yaga's hut that's right we're back in the hut we've left the retirement the shady greyhawk retirement home or back in the hut <laughs> we're back in the hut that was an iron maiden song right back in the, the hut slave? back in the hut i'm yeah. back in the hut yeah that was great yeah. that was it was i thought it was a filler track but i've appreciated more over the years i was just about to say that it's an yes i agree with that right and I, I, that song back in the village was it was better than i originally thought right was, i thought it was a filler but now it's back okay well uh obviously hopefully people can hear us uh it's been a little bit we had some Summer vacation plans and summer procedures. My wife had a, <laughs> you know, when you get older, you get procedures. So right. the, uh, how to take care of the wife. You want to stay married, want to do what's right. You got to do that. So a couple of weeks we had to do that, but she's doing fine. She's, uh, you saw her, she's walking around. Yes. Um, so she's doing well, but we are back. So we are here and we're going to talk about GrogCon 23. Orcus Fest, All Hail Orcus, Feast of Orcus, September 29th through October 1st, the Double Tree Orlando, 5780 Major Boulevard, Orlando, Florida. 32819. It is coming like a freight train. Yeah, it is. And, and what, the reason we started a little late today is because after this, we are going to play test the tournament module. That's right. We actually play test them. Right. So... Now, have you, did you participate in the creation of it, or was it Rob's creation? It was really Rob's. I reviewed it and made some very minor suggestions, uh, but uh, all credit goes to Rob. And, and people need to be warned, though, about something. Okay. And I, th and I know you know this. Would you say that Rob, now we're talking about Rob Ritchie, of course, the... the Smoldering Dung Games Smoldering uh, Dung. editor, our Tim Cask. Yes. Is uh, would you say if you, let's say you were going to write an adventure, right? And I was going to write an adventure. Yes. Now they would probably be somewhat different in tone, right? Would you say that Rob would fall closer on the continuum to your style of adventure no. or my style? Yours. There, so people have been warned. Right. And I don't know if you want to describe what that might be. You know, we don't have to. They could be surprised. But well, it, well at this point, they they we did into the wild, correct? They've seen Into the Wild. We did. Yes. We did a live play of that. That is 
the purview of Rob. So right. you, if you remember, there was fake creatures and dancing satyrs and stuff like that. That's a lot of fun. So with that, if it's similar to that, you know what you're getting. Yes. It's, 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 it's colorful. Colorful. We like that. There's role-playing galore of oh. potential. Right. Right. As opposed to my, which is a survival horror game, typically, where you're right. just trying to barely survive. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's not, it's not tons and tons of monsters and busting down doors. But I don't know. Maybe And death traps. Well, my tournament thing is I don't know how I'm going to feel by the time I get to the tournament. So I like the latitude of, you know, if we've been drinking, we've ate too much, you're, you're eating bad food for a day mm-hmm. and a half, you're tired. Usually we do the tournament evening. This time we're doing it earlier. I like the latitude of I can kill the party off at any time and go to bed. That's the idea. Yeah, okay. Whereas this one doesn't sound that way. I'm going to have to, since I am one of the DMs, I'm going to have to role play. So I'm going to have to cut the drinking down a little bit. Well, you're a good DM, James, and I'm sure you'll figure out a way to do that total party kill, <laughs> irrespective of how the adventure's written. How did they, ch- how did they choke on the satyr's hair and die? I don't know. Right. That's, that's whatever. You know, don't worry about it. Oh, we weren't supposed to roll for random monsters? <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> I thought we were. I forgot about that. So, actually, what I was thinking about doing was potentially running that uh, for our patrons, since some of the, obviously, some patrons are not going to be able to. Uh, get to GrogCon because they live all over the world and they have lives. So maybe that would be a good thing for them to do. So I may do a play test so I, I'm fully prepared. Oh, you're professional. I'm trying to. Because is it fair to say that the, the, ver- the DMs that you may get at the tournament are varied in preparedness? Is that a fair statement? I heard in my comment. <laughs> I'm not... You're not, you're not you're not suggesting that there's like people in an hour before the tournament, like in a corner, cramming or, or sitting outside and saying, "What's room 19 about?" That was me. Yeah, that, you're making fun of me. I, I, well, you weren't the only one. That's true. So it's anyway. We are looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. There will be the and I've showed you the complete artwork of the Feast of Orcus. Now, beautiful, right? So that'll be there. Fantastic. Crystal Thorn will be presenting that. Please, if you're interested in buying the. Uh, Prints of that, that will be that's available on our website. I'll put that in the show notes, uh, but feel free to do that. Also, um, there is a painting contest. Uh, Tom wanted me to remind me that he is doing an Orcus contest. You, you will, there's going to be a contest to who painted the best Orcus. Wow. An Orcus painting contest. So just any painting? Well, figures. Oh, miniature. you got to paint a figure. You're painting a miniature. You're painting a miniature. Right. If you go to the Discord, uh, there is a channel dedicated to that, is my understanding. Yeah. So if you go to the Discord, uh, there's a, going to be a painting contest. So Tom asked me to remind folks, if you're interested, you can send an email to infogrogcon.com or go to our Discord, and I will connect you to that contest. We've got four or five people painting orcuses. You know, I assume one's going to be like a cubist version. Another one's going to be right. Dal, you know, a Dali kind, right, of, right. kind of thing. Like orcuses are like a melting <laughs> clock or something. It's melting clock. <laughs> melting orcus. <laughs> this is like a... Primal Orcus. Yeah, exactly. Be... That's hard to do in the figurine, though. I said, well, I guess you can melt it down. Right. Oh, that's right. You can do it anyway. I guess. Oh, yeah. Just... He just he didn't say you can't change. No. Okay. That that the that even is scarier than before. Mm-hmm. So again, you're trying to win. You got to stand out. If you just have a normal Orcus eating babies, or yeah, yeah. it's like it's a bee. Yeah. Yeah. It's a golf clap. You want to stand out. <laughs> so um, again, 
we we love our folks out there uh, who are part of the Grognards Guild online with the Discord. So please, if you are interested in talking to other folks who are old into old school game, go out to our Discord. I thought you were just about to say who are old. <laughs> old. Comments. Who are old. Uh, yes, right. School gamers. Right, old school gamers. Yes, that's right. I, I would not imply that our... I'm sure we have someone under 30 that's part of it. Possible. The demographics say that there are some. No. Yes. 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 Okay, yes. good. Um, uh, what else we're doing? We have an iTunes review. So uh, I, I forgot to copy some of the other things. Awesome show about an amazing game. I don't, I did, I don't, I can't attribute, attribute this to someone. I don't, I, I failed to provide the attribution to this, mm. so I apologize. Uh, but if you go out to iTunes, it's the last one. One of the best. One of the One best. of the best. Where's the other one? Wait, one podcast. Yeah, there's only like three. If, are we're there th still? We're third. Well, you know, top three. Okay. Out okay. there. And the random encounter for episode 70 was the best one ever. Mm. So you would like, so I went back and reviewed that one. That was the one with the Mastodon in the ice. What happened? You remember that? A Mastodon went through the ice and he was fighting the Iceman or the Barbarian or something. Wow. No, I have to tell you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's Jack. No, I don't remember that one. But I'm glad that it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you, 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 this, that's the time you worked the ref to uh, say he was in an ice cave and he was going to fall through the ice before he got killed by, I forgot who he was fighting. <laughs> I remember a dude with sunglasses uh, yeah, and, and ice. Frostman? Yes, I remember the Frostman, Cuckoo Cuckoo. <laughs> Are you the Eggman or are you the Frostman? Say hi. I know you're all dirty and filthy. Hi. Yeah. Oh, Jack. This is Jack. He's here. Good morning, sir. Everyone's coming in. So Jack just went for his walk, so he's a little excited. He's like, oh, Dan's here. This is why we started kind of slow the show, like as people like, kind of wander in. Yeah. Yeah, sure. give them like 15 minutes yeah, or so. This is, yeah, this is the prelude. People aren't going to take this coffee. too seriously. Okay. This is what I cut out of the podcast. Whoa, Jack. What? Is, uh, he, is he happy to see you? Showing you oh, geez. Oh, wow. It's pornographic. Well, okay. This guy's <laughs> lipstick out. What are you doing? Impressive. <laughs> That's right. No need to brag over there. Hey, is that, is that your lunch? Yes. Hey, get away from his lunch. Yes, I brought lunch. I didn't expect you to feed me. I would, of course, fed you. Don't you love it? How's a little brown bag? No, that's okay. Well, I just, you know, yeah. I know you're an adult man, but you yeah. still use a brown bag list. Come here. Hey, don't sniff over there. So um, thank you for that. And if you want us to read verbatim your iTunes review, go out to iTunes. And we'll be happy to do that. Uh, go to Licious Travels. I'm not sure exactly where he's at right now, but I know he's gone back and forth. I think mm -hmm. he's maybe in D.C. or New York. So... I've been, it's, I struggle to know where he is. I think point. he's in D.C. Okay. Well, if you have him, uh, please feel free to put him, put, put the location of him in the Discord. Because the people who are in the know, who are trafficking him, they understand where he's at. Mm -hmm. But us who are, like, outside, we really don't know. Hmm. So. That's, that's true. That's we don't know. That's something we have to I kinda... think he's banned in D.C., actually. Is he? That's a different story. He's been banned. Um, and speaking of banned, uh, we know that. Issue two of Flipping and Turning was banned because of its controversial cover. Right. It was, it was buried in a... Landfill. In New Jersey. In New, of course. In yes. New, everything's buried in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> but issue 13 is being worked on. That is the tournament issue. So I think submissions had to be in. Uh, but if you have something, you need to talk, 
Talk to Rob at editor at grogcon.com or smoldringdungames at gmail.com. As usual, if you like this nonsense, please like and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, become a patron, give us money. We appreciate it all. Did that sound sincere? Yes, it sounds like you've said that before. I have said it before. Yes. I mean, seriously, we are very, we really appreciate people supporting us. That's what pays for the expenses that we have. Um, and if you can afford it, we love it. If not, please do not feel obligated to it. We do this because it's, it's a lot of fun. So it pays for medical procedures. Well, yeah, it paid for me. We are not paying for medical procedures with this. Not, not, here, <laughs> not, not, that much. not here in the United States. You're not. not with how much we make and not with how many procedures we have. Right, exactly. I would love it. It pays for the internet and the cameras and this and that so that my wife doesn't go, how much is this hobby costing us? Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's really what it's about because the wife says, you yeah. can use your time. Yeah. If you're spending my money on stuff that I don't care about, that's when it gets a little bit of a Because when I walk in each time, mm -hmm. And she looks at me. I do get a little feeling like she looks at me and she sees a liability. Right. Is that I'm, I could be misconstruing that. Well, she does that to everyone. Oh, okay. That's yeah. just her luck. Right. That's the look of you're here early and right. why are you here? Right. And but she tolerates it. Thank she, you. She's generally okay. Uh, oh, and the fact that um, you keep me occupied, so I don't. That's true. Right. In the morning, give I, her some free time. Right. She can walk the dog, and she's going to go to the gym. And I don't now. even get paid for this. No. You're... Well, actually, I do. She's been paying me to hang out with <laughs> that you. That makes sense. <laughs> it's all coming together. Oh, it all makes sense. Um, so, we are ready for the best of August 1983. James, 40 years ago. Okay. Now, how old were you? Can you, can you tell us that, or would you In... prefer not to? No, I don't care. In it... August of 1983? Yes. I am 13. Uh, yeah, so I was 15. So, I was starting the ninth grade, I believe. You were starting the eighth grade? I never went to the eighth grade. Wow, we have Mr. Smarty Pants here. I didn't say that. I just, oh. I went from 7th to ninth. Okay. Because they had a program. I like, can I get out of school faster? I did. Mm. So I was going into the ninth grade as well. Oh, you mean, oh, I see. It was like to speed people along to like. Get them out of there. So, yeah. So like, they could go to McDonald's and start working. There. Exactly. Right, get, to, get to your vocation faster. <laughs> We're on the vocational track. Do you remember, did they take your kid, did they take you to McDonald's in elementary school? They may have. Well, you mean. Why, why, um, I think so. Why did they do that? To get you ready to get a job there. Because oh. they took you in the back and show you how to make the hamburgers and french fries. And the, it was like, wow, that's amazing. They gave you a free Happy Meal. They were grooming you to go work there. I was, I was in something called DECA. And it literally was. You would, work ha you would, you would only take half credits. Yeah. And you would get credit for working. I worked at the movie theater. Oh, wow. In retrospect, I feel like they didn't have a lot of confidence in they my... They felt like you were, that's, they were getting you ready for the job that you could do, which is not much. Well, this was elementary. Yeah. We were nine-year-olds, and of course, they're like, ooh, look, Happy Meals, this is great. But they were grooming us to get us ready to work there. So you didn't go to a prestigious private prep school? So in New York City, um, the schools were so numerous, they didn't have names. I mean, they had names, but... They right. Were, they were known Just by the PS numbers. whatever. I was. I went to PS eighty nine. You didn't go to like Bronx Science or anything. Like that. No, that's in high school. Uh, <laughs> I went to PS eighty nine and then junior high school seventy three. Yeah. Then I finally went to a place that was named New, <laughs> Newtown High School. So were you like the PS ninety three like Cougars? <laughs> well, I don't know what we were. We were the uh, uh, lack of potentials. The uh, you know the hoarded, the unwashed masses. It is kind of funny though. Right. No, it's actually. I'm sure they had a name, but no one called it that. Right. And when you went to junior high school, like, which, you know, you asked you, because of course you got split up based right. on where you lived. I'm like, oh, I, 
I'm going to 73, or you're going to 125. It's like, I mean, the thought of that, you, you're, they didn't even have the time to name your yeah. schools. Yeah, okay. That's that's they, they really thought about you. So what, I'm sorry, so what number are you at in... Uh, in, uh, in, in junior high school, 73. Okay. So James, when you were at PS 73... J JHS 73. Sorry? The elementary school is public school, then junior high school was named seven. Okay. Sorry, I've gotten lost quickly. Uh, yes. right. PS 73, sure. This song... Was not only, and it's been a long time since we've had a show, a month. Right. Surely you'd think it's not, can't be the same song. It is. So if you can remember wow. the same, the song, which I believe you got right. I don't know if you I gave any hints. I believe you did. Um, it wasn't What a Feeling. Was it What a Feeling? No, that was, that's, well, that was we, we kind of moved right. past that. Uh, uh, was it Land Down Under? It was uh, the, uh, not Men at Work. Not Men at Work. Dexy's uh, Come On Eileen? No. <laughs> uh, it, it's a band you love. And I love. The Go-Go's opened for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Every Breath You Take. You are correct, Thank sir. Thank you. Yes, right. I knew. I knew. I had that. Still, a month later? A month wow. later. James, 40 years ago uh -huh. today, this movie was number one. Do you want to take a guess, or would you like me to give you a hint first? Let me take a guess. Got this it. Is the summer of 83. And let me tell you something. I've brought a All list of, of, because this, this to me says 80s. Now, maybe that's because, you know, I'm 15 at the time, and so I remember this stuff. Right. But this to me, when you hear these movies, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. This is the 88. Because, you know, we talked about this, how like 81 it's still the 70s. Exactly. Too much 70s residue. Right. This is, we're in the 80s. We're finally in the 80s. Finally. Yeah. Uh, who's that about? What number? Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. From, uh, they're talking about uh, searching for Bobby Fisher. The dad asks, the kid talks to his dad about what number school he's going to. Ah. That's, that's right. Okay. Very, very familiar. That's what I love about our crowd. Yes. They'll, they... They're learned and they're willing to share. Yes, and they'll go with anything. Right, which is awesome. You Thank know? you. Uh, yeah, it just shows that it was... I'm not making this up. My, I'm not making my history up. It okay. was not, no. So, 83, it could be Return of the Jedi. Uh, could be... Uh, I'll tell you, it's not. Return of the Jedi is number six. Okay, so they've, it's already come. It's been more. out for 14 weeks, though, so yeah. that's still pretty darn impressive. Yeah, it, it, came, it came and went. Uh, let's see. And just to let you know, Flashdance is number 10. It's been out 20 weeks, so that's pretty impressive. Right, Flashdance was early, then, then Return of the Jedi. Um, I don't think, let's see, it's Temple of Doom came out in 85, so it's not that. Um... Is it like 16 Candles or Pretty in Pink? That's still late. No. As a matter of fact, I do not see any of those movies. Of those kind of. Ferris Bueller's later, so 83. And just to let you know, I know you're stunned by this. Staying Alive, which remember had that right. brief time at number one, is bound to 11. Okay. But the fact it's still on there is pretty impressive. Yes. Um, all right. I'm going to need a hint. Okay. You're going to get, I'm going to give you a hint, and you're going to get it when I give you this hint, okay? It's so obvious? Yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. 221. Oh, now I feel bad because I said it was so obvious. Now it's 221. Oh, maybe it's not that. I, I could have given you more of a hint with that. It, it, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Oh, maybe you don't know that part. I thought you I did. Don't, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Michael Keaton. 
Oh, Michael Keaton. Harry Gar. Oh, what's the name of that movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This Harry might be our Gar. best episode ever. Harry Gar. <laughs> I, know, I can see it. Yeah. Oh, I have not seen that in forever. It's not Beastmaster, I'm sorry. It is not Terry Gar in Beastmaster. <laughs> Michael Keaton and Terry Gar in uh, Beastmaster. I don't even know what Beastmaster is, but it doesn't sound like a movie they'd be It's in. not Night Shift. What was no, no, it's not. No, uh, it's not. That came out before this. I don't know. Mr. Mom. Oh, Mr. Mom. <laughs> See, I thought. So you, remember, so you got guys. He got it. He got yeah. it. Mr. Mom. He says, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Electrical work? 220? Yeah. Yeah, he's like two twenty, two twenty one, whatever it takes. Which I don't know what, what any of that means, but obviously two twenty one is not. I don't. Rem- I I think I've seen that movie once. Oh, so I'm sorry. No, it's okay. okay. I probably need to see it again. Um, the- know, I don't really think. I forgot how popular Michael Keaton is as a movie star. You know, I always just yes. relate him to Batman, and then, you know, I saw Night Shift with Harry Winkler. That was mm-hmm. another one I remember. But he was in a lot of movies. Mr. Mom being one of them. Okay, I'm going to go quickly through the movies because I know this is a podcast about first edition. It's, it's, a, it's, it's one of the best. One of the best. So, and I shouldn't tease about that. It's very nice that he it said is. that. Was, we appreciate when people give us He didn't service. say it was the worst. It was adequate. That's it was, true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So try to be half full, Dan. I, it's hard. It's so hard, James. <laughs> it's just not in me. Okay, ready for this? It, when I say these movies to you, you say yes or no as to that's so 80s, okay? okay. Risky business. Oh, that's totally 80s. And that's not number one? No, it's number two. It's number two. How long has it been out for? It's been out for four, and Mr. Mom's been out for six, which is interesting, isn't it? Wow. Easy. Okay, easy. Easy money. Easy money. Rodney Dangerfield. Right. That's 80s. That is straight up 80s. I just watched Back to School. My wife had never seen it. We really? watched it. Yeah. Oh, with Bobcat uh, Gold? With, with, yes, yeah. he's the history professor. That's right, Vietnam. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm going to keep my eye on you. I like, I like your the answer. Triple Lindy. The Triple Lindy. Not the Triple Lindy. Yes. See, that one I know. Yes. The Triple Lindy. Coming into your own, aren't you, Melon? Okay. Exactly. Number four, Hercules. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen Hercules. No? No, I don't remember Hercules. I don't either. Number four, Hercules. Five, National Lampoon's Vacation. Right. That is a classic. Six is A Return of the Jedi. Seven, Cujo. Oh, Cujo. Wow. Stephen King. That's good. Eight. That's what, that's what we're going to name you, Jack. Cujo. Oh. Eight, The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Strange Brew. Oh, wow. Strange Brew. Yeah. Nine, Trading Places. Ah, uh, Trading Places. Wow, you're right. And ten, Flash Dance. Got there it. it is. That's, that's the 80s. That is totally the 80s. Thank you. Well, okay. that was good. That was very good. So I have to remember that... Mr. Mom is number one, so three weeks from now. Right. When I say, hey, it's still... No sandwich. He's saying with a smile. No sandwich. Is that... uh... I assume it's part of the show, Mr. Mom. No sandwich. There's a lot of good... Oh, there's a lot of good things. Well, I thought about that because, you know, I used to drive my daughter to school. Oh, you're right. And, you know, there's this thing where you're supposed to go in just one way. Right. Everyone, or it doesn't work. He goes in the wrong way, and they're, you know, north for this, you jerk. And exactly. I mean, I always think of that as I, okay. All I'm right. Ready to flip the calendar. I'm ready to flip the calendar. So this is the, the day, this is the. <laughs> discover, realms of Wonder, right? Discover Realms of Wonder. Oh, Back to School. That's right. He was talking about the sandwich from Back to School. Oh, what was, I just saw that. Maybe I should know the line. I should. I don't remember. Right. I just remember the Triple Indy. The Triple Indy. So, Discover Realms of Wonder, uh, calendar from TSR 1983, 
And each, now, what happens here is each scene, you discover a realm of wonder, and we right. try to guess what that realm of wonder will be. Now, to let people know the kind of things you might experience, we had the ruins. Right. And I think we've had... Mermaids. Mermaids Grotto. We had the special, there was a uh, centerfold in between with the two-headed dragon, which was signed by the, to somebody, by the uh, artist. Yes. I got you a signed version of this. I appreciate that. Uh, That's very impressive. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't to me, but... Okay. Uh, James, any guess on what August would be? Uh, I feel like it's going to... You know, we had the grotto of mermaids or mer people or right. something like that. So um, I feel like it's going to be a swamp scene, like maybe the witch's hollow or the witch's... Oh, a, okay, yeah. Which is brew. Even though that should be October, I'm going with that for summer because it's so oppressively hot. Okay, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the. Uh, the halflings burrow. Oh, that's okay. All right. Yeah, that is a wait, the gnomes have burrows. The halflings have burrows. I believe they. Yes, they have homes, and I think gnomes have burrows. If, at least in the right AD and D version of it. Okay. Well, I'm just. Gonna I'm say, not sure how wondrous that is, but we'll see. Okay. All right, so we have any other guesses out there? Uh, desert. <laughs> Just desert. <laughs> it's like a sandstorm. Desert. Thank you. Sandstorm in the desert. Well, that's my grass out there. It is. Oh, wait, wait. Oasis. Have Oasis? we had an oasis? I don't think so. Okay, can we conclude Oasis? Yeah, well, I we need to work that a little If there's any more. sand in there, we'll give that to the Admiral. <laughs> Very good. All right, here we go. What do we have for August? No peeking. Oh. Well, I was going to say this. It's the Mushroom Village of the Elves. Of course. <laughs> Who would have thought? Wait, those might be those crazy people from the A whatever it is. Oh, the Mykonids. Oh, my God, run. You know they're in the latest uh, Baldur's Gate game. I did not know that. The Mykonids, they're in there. Mushroom Village of, of the, the elves. elves. Yeah, that's, that's a, a contrarian kind of thing because typically, right, we think of elves living in trees. Yes. And what's happening there? They're both owls, because see, he's got pointy ears. They're got some kind of some kind of hood, uh, adornment on her. Yeah, what kind of horns? It's a little <laughs> disturbing. It's a what, it's a tiara. Tiara? A, it's I don't a, know. It's hard to tell. Diadem. Diadem. Ooh, I, I like that. Good like word. That. So yeah, there's some sort of spell going on with the mushroom. Okay, well not with the mushrooms. Okay. And wait, look, look. Oh, wait, it's a mushroom. They live in the mushrooms, James. Look. Hence the mushroom village of the elves. Well, I didn't know they were actually living. Yeah, maybe I should have thought that. I just thought they're they surrounding. No, they've they've carved out, they've uh, excavated the mushrooms. These these fungi are so massive that they are able to live in there. Why would you want to live in a mushroom? Maybe they're hallucinogenic. Oh. Maybe they're tripping. Okay. All right, mushroom village. Okay. Doesn't look very scary. You know, it's a bummer Knuckles died. Right. And the wine sodden bum. Because mm-hmm. that would have been an awesome place to go wreak some havoc, don't you right. think? Yeah, they don't seem, they seem very passive. They do. That, that place is rife to be taken over. Yeah, because they're, the, for those who can't, or are listening to podcasts, there's a male and female elf looking creature in the center. They're surrounded by these toadstools that are very large. They don't seem in proportion to them, but clearly they have, they've carved out holes that, Look, uh, serve as windows, and they're observing and manipulating a light source. Well, I can you know, show them. Give them a little bit, a little peek. See? Oh, that doesn't help the people on the. It's podcast. going down. 
Yeah. That doesn't help the people in the pod. Well, you should watch the show. That's true. Well, right? We are a multimedia empire. Get exclusive content, a behind-the-screen look at the podcast, and a chance to play with Dan and James. Support Grog Talk by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com backslash grogtalk. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about is the astral and ethereal combat, which is two topics that I think, Dan, when I think Dan, I think things you're really interested right. in. You're right. Yeah. Because we've talked about everything. Aerial combat, weaponless combat, underwater combat. Now we have astral and ethereal combat. I think the problem is I'm like a very materialistic kind of guy. True. And so I, I just don't understand these concepts. And it causes me all sorts of problems. But I'm, I'm willing to learn. You're willing to participate in the conversation. Yeah. So um, the first thing I found was on page 58 of the DMG, which kind of sets up. I mean, I guess you could do it in order of books, which would be a little, which, looking at the monster manual and seeing the monsters that affect the ethereal astral plane, then going into the player's handbook. But let's start with page 58 of the DMG. And what it says under, actually, if you go back to page 57, travel in the known planes of existence. And so this talks about how to travel through here. Then if you continue... Um, on the next page, the second paragraph, I mean, we could read all this. This talks about, you know, how you could, you should buy Boot Hill and Gamma Hill Metamorphosis Alpha to, to supplement your game. Very nice of Gary to do that. Right. Second paragraph. Astral and ethereal, tra- ethereal travel are not difficult, as the systems for encounters and their chances for the hazards of the psychic wind and ether cyclone are but brief sections of Appendix C. Easily and quickly handled. Isn't that so nice that they're easily and quickly handled? Yes. Other forms in travel, the risk and hazard, therefore, you must handle as you see fit. For instance, suppose that you decide that there is a breathable atmosphere extends from the Earth to the moon, or that winged steeds capable of flying fast can travel through that orb. Furthermore, once beyond the normal limits of Earth's atmosphere, gravity and resistance are such that speed increases dramatically and the whole journey will take but a few days. You must then decide what will be encountered during the course of the trip, blah, blah, blah. Perhaps a few new creatures. So the point of all this is astral and ethyl is, thanks to Gary's, all done. Everything else is more complicated. I love what they said. Right. So now we have to go to Appendix C, random monster encounter. So if you have decided, your poor player has decided, I'm going to put oil, oil of ethereal in us or something, now you have to decide how that's going to be dealt with. That's how you have to deal with it here. And can I just note, so you said let's do astral and ethereal combat. Right. I, of course, go to the index in the DMG. Index or the glossary? I'm I'm sorry. sorry, The index. Right. And I look for, so I look for astral and astral travel. and So it actually says astral travel and combat. And right off the bat, I'm, I'm suspicious. Because we know that the bold entries are for the DMG. Right. The non-bold entries are the player's handbook. Right. I suspect that the player's handbook is not going to have a lot of detail about how to handle combat because it's the player's handbook. Right. And I only have one bold entry, and it's one page. And when I go to 181, it's encounters. That's right. I'm not in the 70s. Like, what's combat? 70s, 80s? I'm not in combat. It's encounters. 
So right off the bat, I'm getting a sense that there's really not a one particular place in the DMG nope. where it is going to explain to me how combat works in the Astro and Ether planes. You're 100% correct. And that was a little, it started a little frustrating to me. Yes. Okay, that's all. So now we're on page 181, and that's a good premise for at the top of the page, astral and ethereal encounters. So the encounters occur at 1 in 20. Check at the beginning, midpoint, and the end of a journey. That's very much like, that's like, that's kind of, that's like the old thief rule climbing, right? right? Where it doesn't matter distance, it's just... Check halfway through. Right. Encounters indicated, usually 20. So they're saying here as opposed to 1. That's interesting. I don't know why you would matter. Consult the appropriate table and roll percentile dice. Read to the right of the table to find the creature encountered and the number encountered. Evasion is... Possible only if the adventurers are able to move quickly than the monster encountered. So that is interesting because now we need to understand how people move in these areas. It doesn't really say that. And my understanding is that it says you move rapidly. And don't you move rapidly? Well, as of this time, we have no idea how to move. Right. We don't know anything. Like, does your standard movement rate work? Nope. Okay. Right. It hasn't said anything. Okay. You, you, you have, quite, again, back to the thing, the player has somehow you have foolishly given them oil of etherealness, they're in combat or something, they've decided they're going to go ethereal. Right. And now you have to deal with this. So, uh, next thing it talks about, because they mentioned the scary psychic wind and ether cyclone. While you can threaten the dire effects of psychic wind and ether cyclone, these devices cannot be fully employed unless you have developed extensive information on the various planes or you have obtained commercial offerings on the subject. Have you obtained commercial no. offerings on the subject? No. Becoming lost or injured is always possible, of course, and, and this is detailed below. So, you have a 1 in 20 encounter, which is on the encounter tables. Then, uh, there's a chance of delayed or dis disrupted journeys, 5% per plane crossed. Effects of, are shown prior to the encounter tables. So, what does that mean? That means... The, you have to decide how many planes are being crossed, then roll the percentage, and then decide what's going to happen. So if, you go to the, if you're going to the astral plane, and you go to, let's say, the first level of hell, which, again, you don't know any of this, but let's just assume that. You've crossed one plane, I guess. So you have to roll 5%, and if you get 5% or less, then you can figure out the psychic win effects. Um, what that does is you incur additional check, or you're blown off course, or you reply to random destination, or you have to make a saving throw because the storm blows and you're, potentially your silver cord is broken, which we have no idea what a silver cord is, but it's, it's mentioning silver cords. <laughs> so this is so this is very tough on the DM because basically it's making it's making astral travel basically it could turn into a hex crawl. Is right. in the, if you're blown off course. The DM then has to deal with that. Where are you, where are you blown off course? What's the adventure now? Right. I All mean, I'd be unhappy. Because usually if you're traveling somewhere, you have to make that up on the fly. Right. Okay. And if you don't have a world, this is, this is like the cursed scroll that teleports you 1,200 miles away. Yeah. And you have no idea. Note, if... Astral projection does not involve a silver cord attachment. Then the party concern is both lost and arrives at different destination when struck by the psych. So there's apparently there is a way to travel astrally that include in, involves a silver cord and one that doesn't. And my understanding is, if you don't have a silver cord, the whole party's going to scatter. Right? Meaning you're in one place, 
It's both right. Out of different. Oh wait, what? Oh wait, oh I'm sorry. Rise are different. We all arrive together. If astral projection yeah. does not involve a silver cord attachment. Oh, it's both lost. So if I've got the silver cord, and there is a psychic wind, I'm just okay. I've already gotten confused. Yeah, the, the part that's below there, because under storm blows on a twenty, unless saving throw versus magic is made, the silver cord is broken. The party is killed. The save is successful. The party is lost. They're saying, note, if the astral does not involve a silver cord attachment, so there's two ways to travel astrally, one with a silver cord and one doesn't, then the party concerned is both lost and arrives at a different destination. So you get the both lost and you go to somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Whereas with the storm blowed, if you six, and you're doing a silver cord version of astral travel, you, and you successfully make your saving throw, you're lost, and you must return to the starting place. Okay. So... Let's start with astral travel because that's your favorite. Okay. Uh, well, yes, we could look at Manual of the Planes, but Manual of the Planes is what year? Oh, gosh, it's, it's got to be probably like 87. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, we, something like that, we don't, right? We don't, we don't look at Manual of the Planes. Right. You might as well look at the book that shall not be named, though we, we have the Manual of the Planes. But Who's we? Well, we here in this room. That's right. So, let's start with Astral Travel. So that wasn't very helpful. You, clearly, you have to go to the Player's Handbook if you want to understand some of Astral Travel, right? Yes, because I know there's a spell. I found okay. my... Right? Well, let's start on page 120. Okay. Because there actually is a section called Ethereal and Astral Combat. Yes, it is. Very small. There it is. It is very small. But let's talk about Astral Travel. It says, astral travel is possible by various means, including magic spells and psychic discipline. And it tells you that you can only go to the outer planes, the first level is the outer planes. And that the astral plane does not touch any of the inner planes or the, other than the prime material. And that it can be dangerous. And psychic wind is a very dangerous thing, et cetera, et cetera. And that you could snap the silver cord, which is used during astral spell and astral projection. So, if you use astral spell or astral projection, your body does not go there into right. the astral plane. That's what you. That's the part that's not really discussed in the DMG. Um, now, under under ast ethereal and astral combat on page one twenty, it's possible to cast spells mainly or on either the astral or ethereal plane. These activities generally affect only others of the same plane, but can affect other creatures as partially or functionally on either or both planes. What that means for those listening is in the monster manual, for instance, the Gorgon, his breath uh, that petrifies affects the uh, ethereal and astral plane as well as the prime material plane. So the good news is when I'm traveling, I can cast, I get, in general, I get all the spells and I can melee normally. With creatures on the plane. Right. If you have your body there. Right, okay. If we're talking about astral. So let's keep with astral first. Astral, if you have your body, you can do everything you can there. If you are projecting, what you're going to read somewhere else is you can only cast spells. If yeah. you have spells that don't need a material component. Okay. All right, so keep going. Certain magic weapons will remain magical in either of these planes, but some will not. So be prepared for the worst. Only very powerful creatures can do more that 
then destroy the astral body, causing the silver cord to return to the material body and preventing further astral travel for a period of time. Very powerful creatures might be able to snap the silver, thus killing the astral and material bodies simultaneously. Ethereal combat damage is actual damage. So what that implies is your body goes into the ethereal plane. Note also that all is lost if the material body is destroyed while the astral body is in the plane. So you've got to protect your astral body if it is using the astral spell. Right. Clear as mud, right? Yeah, so far, uh, yes, clear as mud. <laughs> now the last bit, assuming we're not using the manual of the plane. Uh, yeah, is the deities and demigods. Okay. Which I have my copy, not your copy. Did you read the deities and demigods about this? I did not. Page 128. Flipping and turning. No. Is it no. 128? No. No. Oh, I, read, I, I wrote down the wrong thing. I'm sorry. It is page 117. Got it. My apologies. So this, um, so it really starts on 115. Ethereal travel and combat. Okay. And it says a character can... So before we get into that, we're going to go back into astral travel and combat, which is on page 117. Astral's travel, and this is where Jim does a great job, is possible by various means, including magic spells and psionic discipline. Talks about the external thing. Here, as with ethereal travel, movement through the astral plane is speedy, and while, the, there, while there, the individual needs no food, drink, rest, or even sleep. Being in the astral state moved from place to place simply by concentrating upon moving to the desired destination. As with ethereal travel, this gets easier with practice. The astral travel learns the way. The DM should check for encounters three times in the first joint between two points, twice in the second and first, and only once in subsequent one. So you, you see how you can go get better at doing this. Now, if you keep going, astral combat, which is on the page, bottom of page 118. As on the ethereal plane, astral beings are real to each other and can cast spells in melee normal. The major impediment to these activities is that astral tra travelers employing an astral spell or the psychic astral projection system do not carry their possessions with them into the astral plane, except for certain magic items that have a multi-planar existence, for example, the amulet of the planes. Beings traveling astrally by these modes will therefore have to rely on natural weaponry or spells without material components in any astral melee. Most creatures can do no more than destroy the astral body, causing silver code to return the material body and preventing further astral period for period of time, just like it said in the previous one. So, what does that mean? If you're, chewing, if you're traveling the astral plane, you first have to decide, are you using a spell like astral travel or a discipline or using a amulet the planes where they're actually your physical body's moving through them. So that's okay. question number one for me is, do I want my actual body to be there, or is my body remaining back on the prime material plane? And can you summarize for me, as I'm trying to make this decision, the advantages and disadvantages of, this cho of the, either choice? So the advantages are you have all your magic items, all your possessions with you. If I what? If, I, if, you, if you take your body with you. So if I take my body with me, Right. So this is not the cord. That's correct. If I actually, so, so, my, so if, if I'm projecting there, my body remains on the prime material plane, there's this cord business, but if I go myself, I get to take all my possessions, my weapons with me. Correct? Exactly. But some magic items won't work. Did I? That's right. It's, 
it says some magic items doesn't say which ones, but some may not work there. Okay. And, and the DM would have to adjudicate that. So that's the advantage. But what's the disadvantage of taking my body into? I assume if I'm killed, I'm killed. That's right. Whereas if I'm projecting... And your body's killed, you get, your body gets sucked back, your, your projection gets sucked back to your body, and you can't travel the astral plane for a certain amount of time. It reminds me of the... Um, Alvi Fiore had these in Tizenthane, the, uh, in the, there, they would project out. There's a picture of them eating. Oh, really? Oh, what is it? Hang on. Well, you keep talking and I'll, I'll find a picture of that. Okay. So, cause I wasn't even thinking about that's kind of, that's a project. Okay. So, all right. So that's, that's the first question I've got now. If, so if it is a projection, I can only, I can cast spells, correct? But I can't use Verbalang. Oh, the Burbling, yeah, yeah, those guys. They project out into the into the astral plane. So, I, well, I don't know. No, I don't think that oh. they stay on the prime material. So, I will. I cannot bring. So, if I project out, I can only cast spells. Correct. That is correct. Got or na- or natural. Anything part of your body, you can let. I can punch people. Yes. Got it. Okay. So that goes on in page one eighteen on the second paragraph on the right. Travel to and from the outer planes is usually by means of gates or via the astral plane. Note that the astral plane can only be entered from the prime material in one of the first layers of the 17 outer planes. If a being is gated to one of the outer planes, he comes complete with body and possessions, leaving no part of himself behind. However, if a being astrally projects and travels the astral plane to one of the outer planes, he leaves a material body behind the prime material plane connected in his essence by a silver cord. The material body is destroyed or the silver cord is snapped while he is in the astral plane. The, the being is permanently and irrevocably killed. If he moves to one of the outer planes from the astral plane, a body forms around him but is devoid of possessions. Both bodies are now connected by the silver cord. And if either body is destroyed, the being will continue to remain, remain in the, I'm sorry, will continue on in the room. In the remaining body, returning instantly to the prime material if the outer body plane is killed. If the silver cord is snapped on the astral plane, the unoccupied body dies. So there's a whole bunch of permutations based on how you got to the outer plane. Right. So if you gate or some you know, magical teleporter gets you there, you're, you're going to bring your body. Right. So if, you, if your goal is just to communicate with people or interact with folks, it's better to project there. Like you want to... Right. Get a message for bag true. Right. And you don't want to use contact other plane. Maybe you want to speak to your deity and thumbing or whatever. Go check things out. Better to project there. Can I descend? So the astral plane goes to the first level of each of the outer planes, correct? Right. Can I then descend? So I don't know bag true. Bag true might be on whatever plane of hell. So do you think if I project there, can I then move around? Can I go deeper down in the planes, do you think? Or do I just, like, can I only stay at? Well, what happens is if he moves to one of the outer planes from the astral plane, a body forms around him but is devoid of possessions. That's assuming you had projected. Right. So you have a body here. Your, your, it, your essence, silver cords to the first level of hell. Yeah. Then you go to the first level of hell. You, a new body magically appears there. And, but you don't have your possessions. Both bodies are now connected by the silver cord. And if either body is destroyed, the being will continue on the 
on in the remaining body, returning instantly prime material if it's killed. Wait, okay, hold on. So that means if somebody kills me back on the prime material plane... You're screwed. You're stuck in hell. In a project... So my projected body is like a regular body, though, right? Yes. A body manifests itself once you get on the plane. So I'm stuck. Oh, that's a real problem. Yeah. Oh, so if my wife hates me... Right. And I'm like going to... I got a message for back true. Right. So that's what I should do with that, my, my loser son. Send him. <laughs> yes. And send. then just cut the... Well, kill him. If, well, if you kill him, he's going to be dead. If you wait... Oh. So he's, he's, here on the, he's here in the prime material plane. You do astral spell. Your body, your, your essence, silver cords through the astral plane. Now you're at the first level of hell. Let's just use that example. Once you step into the first level of hell, you get a new body there. Mm-hmm. And now you have two bodies connected by a cord. Right. If this body's killed, the, the cord goes right. there, and now you're stuck in hell. Right. Conversely, if you get killed in hell, your body, your essence right. comes back here. Got it. If both are killed, you're screwed. So that's the good news. Or the cord gets cut. Right. So that's the good news is I'm going to continue somewhere. In that case. But you'll be in hell, which will be terrible. So you could start an adventure where the people have been like, they were stuck in hell. Right. They were like on the cord. Yep. Something happened. Or their bodies were killed. Their bodies were killed back there and now they're in hell. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. The, the, they were a party that went there. Um, Let's give a message. Now, again, what happens in the demon web pits is they go through a portal. That's why they have all their stuff with them. That's sure. But if you die, you're screwed. Got it. So it's so as far as fighting in the astral plane, the only difference is are you physically there or not? It seems much harder to have your physical body in the astral plane. Typically, it's going to be an avatar of that. And when we say astral, once you're at the plane, you're no longer in the astral that plane. That's right. Right. The cord is in the astral plane. That's right. You're... There's a bunch of cords going between the prime material plane and. And wherever they're going towards. And, and oh, I think only like gods and godlings can cut. It's really hard to cut the right. cord. And the Githyanki, I think they have the silver sword that can cut things. Look up Githyanki. Oh, they can cut the cord. Oh. I believe so, right? Silver sword, didn't they have the well, sword? I, know, I never read it. I just thought that they have a cool picture. Yes. Well, it's probably way too long to read. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't read the whole thing. But I thought they had that. That's way too long. Page 43. Yeah, it's going to take forever, isn't it? Blah, 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 yeah. So they have a silver oh, sword, yes. Long... They will be on particular personal missions, though not in search of a lost silver sword. Okay. Maybe it doesn't cut the cord. I thought they were able to cut the cords. Special silvers plus five. I believe Vorpal. It affects mind barred victims. Oh, yes. Yeah. If used astrally, has a 20% chance per minute of cutting the silver cord. So, so, ast- but so astral combat is, so you, it's, it's not like you are in underwater. It sounds like you have free, mo- is your understanding that you have free mobility? Yeah. So there's really no special, and your movement, you would say, is the spit. Your movement is your movement. But movement is more rapidly in the astral. But, I mean, I guess for purposes of comparison and combat. Because right. it is more rapid, right? Right. So when you're traveling normally, it's just like game time when you're not in combat versus not. So you're traveling. You can travel great distances. But once you have an encounter, it slows down and everything comes into that form. 
But it's, I assume you're weightless, right? I mean, you're not like walking down a street. I mean, are you, I mean, isn't combat or people like, well, this is going this, over. This is the beauty of, you can go by the thing. Here's the picture, which is. Yeah, this is what I see. They're like in floating in space. Yeah, they're kind of they? floating in space, right. Page 117. Yeah. Yeah. So you would need, try to do that with miniatures. <laughs> You need like that three-dimensional chess set or something. Yeah, right? you just put them on one plane. But yes, you could do that. Again, what it says is um, everything would be normal because they're real to each other and can cast spells and melee normally. Doesn't mention anything about floating, weightlessness, that kind of thing. So is it, does anyone live in the... Yes, they're creatures that live in the astral plane. Okay. Because I would think you wouldn't. It just, it's like... That's like living on I-4, you know, so. Most people travel through it, but there, I'm pretty sure there are creatures that live there. I would just have to look through. So every creature on, on the astral, everything you see on astral, they are able to go from the prime material plane to the outer planes. And can you use astral to go to? Can you use astral to go on anywhere on the prime material plane, or is that only ethereal? It, it, that's the only connection. You typically would not use it to go between places. It's meant for you to go from the prime material to the outer. To plane. the outer. So anybody. I guess you could sort of do that. I mean, the DM could rule that, but that's not really how it's supposed to be. So anybody on the astral List. can travel between the outer planes to the prime material plane. On this list, on page 118? Correct. The, well, some of them are only attack on the astral plane. The Medusa, the Basilisk, and the Cockatrice, and the Gorgon. They're not on the astral plane, but their attack goes into the astral plane. Oh. Where, but they're on the prime material plane? Correct. Their breath weapon extends, or their gaze extends into the plane. Oh, but you would have to be on the prime. So wait, but so oh, so where are they? So if, if you get an encounter with a Medusa, right? On the you're on the astral plane, uh, correct? And you encounter a Medusa. You are you, where you are on the astral plane is intersects where they are in the prime material plane, where their breath weapon extends. Yeah, and see that bothers me because I see you're messing with me now. I don't get it. Yeah, because right, because I get it with I get I get that with ethereal. You just got me understanding ethereal, surrounding everything in the inner plane. Yeah, we haven't talked. We're talking right. about the and that was very cool because that I learned. That means I can go to the pl elemental planes of right. Right, and that's pretty cool. Ethereal is your local roads. Your astral is the superhighway. Right. So that's a little weird to me that I'm encountering a Medusa. I'm in the astral, they're in the prime. That, that sounds more ethereal than astral to me, but... But their breath, it's because their weapon extends to both. Yeah, okay. So when you have an encounter, the, the way I've always kind of looked at it is, you've prepared to go to the astral plane. You're going to go to the first level of hell. You, as you reach, right. you check as you start the, your travels. Oh, I check my travel. You, you, you get a Medusa. I would not allow them to go into the astral plane if you're halfway through the journey. But that's me. Because you check three times. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. It would be like number one. Like you're taking, you're taking off. Right. You're taking, you're, you've just moved into, you've just started your astral right. projection. Right. And, uh-oh, 
right near the, where you took off is right. Again, near is, is right. a subjective thing. Right, but right, right. Or the landing strip. Yeah, I, you've encountered. Yeah, because there's a, okay. So I want to look up cockatrices. Yeah. Because cockatrices is on there. Yes. So cockatrices are found in temperate and tropical regions, both above and below ground. They can inflict minor wounds. Blah blah blah. Uh, but their touch will turn flesh to stone. Note that. Note that the petrification aura of this monster. So they can put minor wounds in their beaks, but their touch will turn flesh to stone. This petrification aura of this monster extends both into the astral and ethereal planes, and can thus affect creatures in these planes as well. Compare. Basilisk. Right, which is the same. It talks about the gaze doing that. The gaze doing that. So Their gaze projects into the astral and ethereal plane. The basilisk is able to see in both the astral and ethereal planes. In the former plane, the astral, its gaze kills, while in the latter, it turns victims to ethereal stone. Wow. Ethereal stone. Wow. Which can only be seen by those who are in that plane. And can see it's here. So you're just like stone in the ether. Yeah, that really sucks. That really stinks. Ethereal stone. Ethereal stone. Yeah. That should be the material that you need to make some you, weapon. Yes, you got to get ethereal stone. Right. That's a great so, idea. So, you yeah. You trick people to get <laughs> a basilisk so you can make that. So, yeah, so, yeah, because... Yeah, the astros, well, I mean, as you well know, it's, yeah, it's, it's. What page are you on? Well, I'm just on. Page the, 115 of yeah. the Deities and Demigods. It heads out, so that's very odd to me, but okay, okay. So that's how astral works. You, you, you make three rolls. First, you have to decide how they're traveling. Yes. Typically, if they're using a gate, a lot of times they're going to gate directly to the plane, but you could argue that they could gate with their bodies through the astral plane. That's two ways to interpret it. Then, if they've never been there before, you, can, you, count, you check three times, and depending on how many planes they are crossing, again, not sure how, many, how you would determine how many planes you would be crossing, um, there's like a chance of the psychic win. Like time zones. Right, how many time zones you think. Well, let me just go, okay, on 114, the astral plane, this plane radiates from the prime material to a non-space where endless vortices spiral to the parallel prime material planes. Yeah. So this does, doesn't that does make it sound like you could, in theory, do astral to maybe go to different prime material planes. Why does it say prime material planes? Because to the parallel. Parallel prime material. But it's 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 because the prime plural. material has is the multiverse. Yeah, because but see on page one thirteen it could just call it the prime material plane. Right. It should be prime material plane. But I so but there's all right, so there's like an infinite the multiverse is Yes. Everything that is is in there. It houses the universe and all of its parallels. This is on page one one thirteen. All of its parallel universes. Right. So it sounds like I can go ethereal travel to alternate prime material planes, maybe. Well, the issue there is, the, the argument, the question then is, so the way it works, you take the astral plane, you land on the first level of hell, a body gets formed there, An, another body, right, in your court. If you do what you're saying, 
I go from one plane to another in the prime material plane. Well, now you have two bodies on the prime material plane. If you're using astral spell or projection, which doesn't make any sense on the same plane. I don't think you can get two bodies on the same plane. Interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. With, with, if you are projecting, if you're using astral spell or projection, you, I don't think you can go to other parts of the prime material plane because you have that double body issue. Interesting. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way I read it. Yeah, I don't know why I'd say that. I mean, I, I get, you know, yeah, I mean, I, it is interesting he says that, though, right, that, that Jim says that. Okay, all right, got it. All right, undecided. Huh? Yeah, I get it. I mean, right, I mean, I, I'm, yes. Okay. Oh, and, and you could be able to uh, encounter Dimension Door victims, right? Isn't Dimension Door you get stuck in the ass? Oh, yeah, we had that. Remember Naked and Afraid? Yeah, Naked and Afraid. Yeah. You get, if, you, if you Dimension Door into something solid, you pop out yeah. into the ethereal plane. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, all right. All right so that's astral plane. So combat's pretty easy. You just got to know whether you get. Do you have your stuff with you? But 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 they never. So it doesn't sound like anywhere they explain what magic items work and don't. No, work. You, the DM would have to. Do got that. it. Okay. Which is the big? I mean, that's the the critique of Q one. That is, you know, cynical or not cynical. You know, there's all these spells and all these items that don't work because well, you're on the, whatever layer of the abyss you're in. But it's also to nerf and control the players from what they can do. You know, this, that's the cynical way of looking at sure. it. Sure. And so, again, the DM would have to figure that out. Now, ethereal. Ethereal is the one that permeates all the inner planes. That's what typically you use to move between the planes within the inner planes. So you can go from the ethereal planes or the plane of shadow or these other ones. And, of course, they came up with power, pla power planes and other planes and all mm -hmm. Planes just kept, uh, more and more planes came up as, as people like, you know what, there's just not enough planes. We need more of that. So going back to the uh, deities and demigods on page, page 115, a character can achieve the ethereal state, move to the ethereal plane by various means, which include magic spells, items, ointments, or psionic discipline. It's possible to move to or about any of the inner planes which with, with the ethereal plane permeates. As possible, move from plane to plane, plane to plane, ethereally. You just have to think about it, and it will happen. If concentration upon movement lapses, grad progress immediately halts. If your travel is tireless and rapid, creatures in the ethereal state don't need to no food, drink, or rest or sleep. Ethereal creatures may move from plane to plane by moving from the shadow of one plane to the shadow of another. That's a cool concept. This may be accomplished by concentrating upon moving to the desired destination. This gets easier with practice, and again, same thing, you get the three encounters, two and one. All movement and travel in the theory is subject to certain hazards. Some monsters are able to function partially in this plane, while some roam the plane freely. The worst hazard is the ether cyclone. All dangers are detailed before, below. So the difference here is in the ethereal plane, you are, your whole thing goes into the ethereal. It's not this silver cord thing versus not. You're, right. You're always there, at least the way I read it. And same thing, you do the check, one in 20, read the table. Um, and then evasion is possible only if the adventurers are able to move more quickly than the monster encountered. So that's interesting. This will only occur if the party is both following a familiar path and the less intelligent member of the party has a higher intelligence score than the most intelligent pursuer. Due to the fact that ethereal travel is a function of mental concentration. So there you go. Isn't that interesting mm. rub to this? 
So speed or movement is determined by your intelligence. So if you have, you have bag tree with you, that's not a good thing if you're trying to escape. Yes. Because he's what, five intelligence? He's pretty low. <laughs> so yeah, the, the least intelligent member has a higher... So there's a lesson there. So don't travel with adults in the ethereal plane. That's a bad idea. Right. Right. Don't, don't only travel in the ethereal plane with smart people. Only smart people. Yeah. Dumb okay. people, no thanks. Right. Now, as far as uh, the ether cyclone, um, you know, again, that's a 5% chance per plane crossed. So, again, you have to determine how is that, what is determining what planes you're crossing. So I guess you could say, because, again, it permeates everything. If you're starting from the center, you're going from the prime material to the earth, that's one plane, two planes. Not sure. So, I, I've never understood that version of it. So, the, so ethereal combat is pretty easy. I mean, as long as a person is ethereal or part, like a lot of undead are part. Well, well, they're not ethereal. They're they're in they're in the. Uh, I mean, they're in an inner plane. I mean, in the, the negative neg plane typically. That's an that inner plane. That's not ethereal. That's right. So, uh, page one seventeen talks about ethereal combat. Though the inner planes are mere phantoms to creatures on the ethereal plane, such creatures will certainly be real to each other, and normal melee and spellcasting is possible between ethereal beings. So again, if you're fully in the ethereal plane, you put the oil of etherealness on, you are now part of the ethereal plane, and you can be attacked by creatures just like those uh, that are on there. Mm -hmm. And that's like for a ghost, that's the best way to attack them on the, on the ethereal plane. Right. Uh, it is also possible to combat creatures who exist or function partially on the ethereal plane. Thus, those creatures who attack forms extend to the ethereal can be attacked by ethereal creatures. It is only in these instances that spells can be cast from the ethereal to the prime material plane, and then they will only affect the creature with ethereal connections. And the other difference is ethereal combat damage is actual damage. Whereas... The other damage, if you're doing the astral cord thing, is not real damage. Because you're not, if, if I get you to zero hit points on the astral plane, you don't die. Your, bot, your, your right. thing goes back. But here, you get killed on the ethereal plane. You're dead. Right. Because you're, you're all there. Got it. Warning delivered. Right. Now, because again, it's that concept of you're still in the inner planes versus you're going to the outer planes. It's, it's a different area. Right. And, you're, and, you're, and you are out of the prime material. And so, as with ethereal travel, movement to the astral speed. So, ethereal speed as well. Yes. Beings in an astral state move from place to place simply by concentrating. So, I concentrate, like, I just move, right? right? I think and I move. And as with ethereal travel, this gets easier with practice. So, this is the same with ethereal That's travel. Right. Right. Except there's an additional caveat with ethereal travel that your intelligence dictates that. Right. Right. But so I move. Okay. Okay. Ethereal, right. Character can achieve ethereal state. I'm on page, back on page 115. Right. To move on the ethereal plane, an entity has but to will movement for it to happen. If concentration upon movement lapses, progress immediately halts. Ethereal travel is, is tireless and rapid. 
Creatures of ethereal state need neither food, drink, or sleep. They move from plane to plane by moving from the shadow of one plane to the shadow of another. They just concentrate to the destination. It's easier with practice as being marks out a mental trail through the ether. The first time a journey between the two points is made, the DM should check for encounters three times. So that's right, because the astral is where when I die. Yes. I'm going to travel the astral. We're all, we're all going to travel the astral plane at that's some right. point. That's right. You're all doing it. We're all doing it. So unless, um, your soul, unless your spirit gets stuck here for some reason. See you in hell, James. See you in hell. For some. So I just, so yeah, so I just, uh, yeah, so that's okay. I just concentrate and go. Close my eyes and go. Right. So it's like, so like we both close our eyes and you like go. And I'm like left behind. You don't have to close your eyes. Because I'm not as smart. Concentrate. Oh, yeah. So I'm not as smart. So I'm like kind of like. You're moving slowly. That's actually how you can tell people's intelligence. Yes, that's right. I'm a smart man. Prove it. We'll put you in the ethereal plane. We'll right. See how fast you move. Right. Right. So, what's the practical use of this? I mean, obviously, when would this happen? They're going to be high-level characters, typically, or now again, the book that shall not be named has spells that use the ethereal plane more, and of course, oral etherealness. Are you going to be the DM that says, hey, use the oil of etherealness? Maybe they did it to get bypass. You know, they're in the room. Right. They want to use the oil to move to the next room and then reappear. That's typically what a lot of people use it for. Are you the DM who's going to, uh, good night, Rob. Uh, are you going to be the one who's going to say, well, you move to the ethereal plane. I'm going to check for an encounter. You have to. I agree. That's the. Players hate that. But that's every. That's every single, every time we talk about anything on this show, there's a good and there's a bad, right? Yes. You know, yeah, that's, that's, every, so, everything has a side effect. Yeah, so every time, so if, if that's the case, now how many times are you going to make them roll? So, oh my gosh, you do three because that's your journey. That is, well, that's the question. Okay, take me to the roll. Well, it, the roll. it's not, the, it says. It's uh, also in the DMG, isn't it? It is. This, this is almost verbatim from the DMG. Page 115 of Deity's yeah. Demigods, which is the same as page 118, I think, or 181 in the player's right. handbook. I mean, DMG. Encounters occur on a 1d20. If the party is following an unfamiliar path, check three times total. At the beginning, midpoint, and end of their journey. If, if an encounter is indicated. I'm already, I already have my answer. I'm sure. doing only one roll. I, I, I don't agree. think it's, it's not a journey. It's not a journey. There's no I path. I agree. It's, That's really a jerk move. If now, if they were traveling, if they were going to go to, if they were just popping in and out of the room, that's a one-time thing. Somehow you inadvertently, you, you step into the ethereal plane. Uh-oh, unfortunately, that's right where the Kyrin is coming through and sucks to be you. But you're not traveling, so there shouldn't be three right. times. But there should be one. I agree. Yeah. You've stepped into, you've stepped, you've been teleported somewhere, basically. And what's there? You've got to figure that out. You have a one in 20 chance. Yeah. Okay. So that so that makes me want to put as a magic item with a pregen oil of etherealness. Yeah. Because then they're going to want to use it, maybe. Right. But then it's fun because you get to do the roll. Yeah, but the, it's fun for you. It's not fun sure. for them. No. Well, there's tension. We'll roll d hundred. We'll see what you've gotten. Well, yeah. well, let's first let's do d. Let's, let me do d twenty. Right. Because it's possible that will happen. Right. I mean, then I'll roll d hundred to d see what happens. Yeah. So you have to roll a twenty, apparently. Yes. 
Usually, it says. That's right, usually. Not always. I don't know. You could pick, what number would you like it to be? You could do like 17. Right. Can you imagine players that think you're crazy? And then they'd be angry if a 17 came up. They'd be like, that shouldn't be an encounter. No one does a 17. Exactly. You're making the dice lie. Exactly. 19. I like, what I think is great is how like we all feel that's close, but right. the reality is it's not actually close because I don't know where the 20 is. Exactly. Oh, whatever. We feel that way, don't we? we oh, do. I almost hit. It's I right. just missed. Right, not exactly. really. No, not really. Okay, so all right, let's see what I get. Ethereal. Right, D100. So basically I'm taking off. Right. Right, my trip is... You've gone from the... Sh you're at the shadow of the plane material. You've gone into the ethereal plane. So you're basically, you're like stepping into the ethereal plane. Yeah. You don't know what state. You're hoping there's like, you're not like right next to him. You're going to be like... Right. You, don't, you don't know. Right now, we have no idea what's going on all Correct. around us, James. That's you're right. going to be like a Medusa right sitting right here. That's exactly it's right. It's like... it's, it's Except the, they, they, they can see into multiple planes. You don't want to do that. Yes, yes, you're right. So they see, but it's like the uh, the uh, haunted mansion ride right. at the end, exactly. where you see the ghost. Exactly. So you like go ethereal, and you just it's your bad luck that there's a gorgon standing right, right there. One hundred percent. Fifty-three. Invisible stalker. That's oh, bad. Me. Intellect devourer, just as bad. That's wrong. Sounds really bad. Sounds really bad. It is really bad. Hey, little fella. That's right. Let me suck your brains out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, intellect devourer. So yeah, you you pop in there. And you unfortunately roll uh, a, whatever the one in 20 chance, and the giant brain thing comes and gets you. Yeah, and you know, I guess, uh, you know, I was about to complain that there's so many details about all this, and shouldn't this be up for the DM to decide? But I guess if in the Monster Man, if you're going to talk about ethereal and astral and monsters, you do need to give players... Something because then we complain that there's not when, when there's not rules we complain right and when there's rules we complain why can't we just make it the rule that's what we do and so it says on page fifty five of the Monster Manor their awareness extends to the astral ethereal planes and intellect devourers often roam the astral and ethereal planes they're able to speak any human language so in that scenario you went the ethereal plane you got the attention of that intellect devourer like oh wait a minute something just popped near me I see it and. It's like being in the wrong neighborhood. I mean, right. you know, it's, it's like if you're gonna like do that, yeah, that's it's dangerous. And you get then you get attacked by a creepy thing. Yeah, well, you know, so you knew the risk. Tearing it with his claws. And so I, we, your party wouldn't even know. Like, the guy just never comes back. Right. He goes to the theater and you're waiting. Nope. That's right. Go, oh, that's a bummer. You're you're rolling. You, you you see him moving towards your goldenrod character sheet. Do you get the do you get the cyclone? When do you get the cyclone? Do you get it immediately too? Could you have it immediately with the cyclone? Oh yeah. So I could get like I just go ethereal, like just to go through the room. I think it's a five percent chance. Just because like, because that's I need to know what rolls I need to do to like kill my character, kill the. So. One in twenty chance. Five percent chance for each plane you cross. I would say you crossed one. You crossed into the ethereal. The primary to that you absolutely did. So that's five percent. There's two rolls you have to make. Wow. So that's right. And they're both, so they're so both, you can do like 20, you do yeah, twice, two, right? 20, 20 twice. 20. If you get 20, you're, they're hosed. Okay. Yeah. And then you're, blah, yeah. And so then you've got a real problem. Right. Because you could be lost for a long time. Okay. This is the antidote for people who want psionics. Because this, because people, you know, again, back in the day, psionics was optional. And if they got it, you know, all of a sudden they rolled the 99. Those things are overpowered for a first-level character. So psychic encounters, and if they had the discipline of ethereal or astral, you had encounters because they'd be constantly popping in and out to do that mm -hmm. and breaking your games. So like, oh, I'm just going to go ethereal and walk through the wall and come over here. Yeah. Like, okay, this is fun. Right. 
you got to check that. So Gary knew what he's doing. That's right. Well, he created Sonics, which he shouldn't have done. Sonics he is, shouldn't have. Did he ever apologize? I don't know. Okay. I don't know if he, it's just, it's, it doesn't fit with the rest of it. Well, no. In my, that's why it's optional. Oh, yeah, I hated it. No, but I'm mean, with you. You wanted it. You rolled when you wanted it. You got it. If you got it, it's awesome. So, all right. I think we're done for today. I think we've uh, said what we needed to say. It's time for lunch, actually, because we only have an hour before I think. So roll it. Give me a D10. Okay. D10. That one. There it is. Seven. Not bad. We did a good job. Pretty good. I think we did a great job. Thought you'd have more rust on us. Yeah. So, uh, we will see you all. well, we won't we won't blame Tim for Sonics and OD and D. Oh, who who did it? Uh, John says uh, Tim Cassid, which it could be. Oh. I forgot we talked to him. I'm sure we asked him that question. Um, but for Grog Talk, I'm James and I'm Dan, and we will see you next time on Grog Talk, which is not two weeks from day, three weeks, September 16th, because we have Labor Day next week, and then I'm out of town, so it's the 16th uh, at normal time, and then the following one will be at GrogCon. We'll see you then. Take care. This is Big Abushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.